welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world out there. Thank you for joining me on that path. This week's episode. Welcome to the final episode of 2022 of Counter Melody. I received so many wonderful messages from so many people very enthusiastic about my episode last week on Helen Donat, an artist I would truly describe as a gesegnete Sängerin. For those of you who speak German, you'll know what I'm talking about. I have a special episode today to round off the year, which brings Donat back, but also opens up a completely new door that I'm so excited about. This is an episode I've wanted to do since the very beginning of the podcast. First, I would like to thank my dear friend Elliot for increasing his monthly pledge to Counter Melody. My friends, We can't have Elliot underwriting this podcast all by himself. Well, I'm not going to beg, but I'm really going to fervently request that you consider also becoming a monthly supporter or a yearly supporter of the podcast. To do so, simply go to patreon.com slash countermelody and you can make your monthly or yearly pledge there. And I so look forward to expanding on the kinds of bonus material that I am offering to you. We'll just leave that tantalizing offer out there in the ether. But for now, I do want to revisit just briefly Helen Donat. This is a recording made in the summer of 2013 of a concert that Helen Donat sang in Santander, Spain at the age of 73. Here is the conclusion of the Ave Maria from Otello. Oh, 
There's a bonus episode that I published featuring both Helen and Klaus Donat performing Lieder of Mozart and Schubert. That went up this week, so new supporters will be able to partake of that. There is another aspect to Helen Donat's mastery of the art of the song, however, and that is exemplified in this beautiful performance of Over the Rainbow, apparently made in the spring of 2016 in some sort of outdoor venue. Someone pulled out their phone and filmed this, and we are all the richer for having Helen Donat and Klaus Donat. She, at 75 years old, singing Over the Rainbow. Great singers in twilight. Singers at the end of their lives or at the end of their careers or merely at a very advanced age, continuing to sing, continuing to perform, continuing to enrich our lives in an unbelievable way. Look, I began putting this list together and I ended up with (laughs) an enormous list of people that has already spilled over into what will surely be a second and probably a third and maybe even a series of podcasts on this theme. Helen Donat's career certainly unfolds in an extraordinary way over so many decades, continuing excellence 
of performing and artistic development. There's such a wide range of singers that we're going to hear today. But let's begin with the diva out from retirement, making a cameo appearance at a very important event. Often this could be a gala celebration with an opera company such as Eleanor Stieber trumpeting Minnie's third act battle cry at the gala celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Lyric Opera of Chicago. Or Birgit Nielsen coming out and letting loose with her Hoyo Toho at the Mets Centenary Gala. But there's certainly one that I think occupies pride of place in our memories, and that is when Leontine Price, at the age of 74, came out of retirement to sing in a memorial concert at Carnegie Hall commemorating the deaths on September 11th, which catastrophic event had just taken place three weeks before. She sang God Bless America. It's not a song I normally love, but she certainly captured a moment and capped it with one of the most gorgeous high notes I've ever heard in my life. I was not present, but I saw this on TV and I was overwhelmed, as I'm sure so many of you who remember this event also were. singer who continued to appear in the twilight years of her life was Eileen Farrell, who never really took a break from performing, but resumed her singing in the late 1970s and 80s with increased gusto and dedication to the performance of the great American songbook. She made a number of fantastic recordings, some of which I featured on my Eileen Farrell episode a couple years ago. But there was also an incredibly moving live performance at the Public Theater in New York on the 7th of December 1986, in which Farrell and her frequent collaborator Leonard Bernstein were reunited for the first time in many, many years and performed a pair of songs. This was for an AMFAR benefit, the American Foundation for AIDS Research, founded by Matilda Krim and Michael Gottlieb and chaired by Elizabeth Taylor. These two extraordinary artists perform for us now Come Rain or Come Shine from the show St. Louis Woman by Harold Arlen and Johnny Mercer. Come 
rain or come shine High as a mountain and deep as a river Come rain or come shine I guess when you met me It was just one of those incredibly close to my heart, one whom I have followed and, dare I say, diva-worshipped for decades now, is Marlene Dietrich, who just so happens to have celebrated her birthday, her 121st birthday, by the way, on December 27th. She made a final public appearance at the age of 70 in a very highly controlled situation before television cameras in a live concert performance at the New London Theatre, where she was joined by her frequent collaborator, Bert Bacharach. I believe there were two different performances that were filmed, and a composite was presented on television the following year. I remember turning it on as a kid and seeing a few minutes of it and thinking, ooh, this is really awful, (laughs) and turning it off. Well, I didn't know from Dietrich at that point. It's available for people to view and listen to, and I'm going to play for you because the topic of laziness came up this week in our household. (laughs) Here's the laziest gal in town with Dietrich's inimitable spoken introduction. I made a film for Mr. Hitchcock. The film was called Stage Fright and the song by Cole Porter, The Laziest Girl in Town. It's not because I shouldn't, not because I wouldn't, and you know, not because I couldn't, simply because I'm the laziest game in town. My poor heart is aching to bring home the bacon. I'm alone and forsaken Simply because I'm the laziest girl in town 
Although I'm more than willing to learn how these gales get money to burn every proposition I turn down Cause I wouldn't, and you know, not cause I couldn't, simply because I'm the laziest game in town. Nothing ever worries me, nothing ever hurries me. I take pleasure, leisurely, even when I kiss. They want some more, and wanting more becomes a bore. It isn't worth the fighting for. So I tell them this it's not because I will, it's not because I will at you. It's not cause I couldn't, it's simply because I'm the laziest, the laziest girl in town. I'm just lazy. So many of these singers that we're talking about today have been before the public eye for decades upon decades and continue to perform and give of themselves. What greater example of that do we have than Johnny Mathis, who's still out there performing at the age of 87? Earlier this year, he went into the recording studio again with another marvelous singer, Frida Payne of Band of Gold fame, to record an absolutely delicious version of They Can't Take That Away From Me. Frida Payne began her career as a jazz singer, and in later years, she has continued to perform in cabarets and clubs, and she is a fantastic singer as well. The two of them, he at the age of 86, she at the age of only 79, she has since turned to 80, join together here for what appears to have been a very fun-filled session. The way you wear your hat. Oh, really? My hat? The way you sip your tea. Oh, I love a little honey in my tea. The memory of all that. smile just be Well, thank you very much. The way you sing off key. Who would believe that? The way you haunt my dreams. The way you haunt my dreams. No, no, they can't take that away from me. We might never meet again. Oh, Johnny, on that Always, always 
The way we dance till three The way you changed my life Oh no, they can't take that away from me No Now let's go back to the very early days of the gramophone. At that time, many people simply thought of recorded sound as being a gimmick and did not take it terribly seriously. But there were a number of 19th century artists in the twilight of their lives who consented to go before the recording horn to offer documentation of their voices. Certainly one of the foremost of these artists is the great Adelina Patti, who was born in the year 1843 and who, in 1906, allowed the recording engineers from EMI to come into her estate in Wales and make a series of recordings. These document Patti's voice at the age of 63. She had long since retired, and while one cannot claim that these recordings represent the voice in its prime, they nevertheless reveal a voice still of enormous beauty, charm, and technical skill that almost defies comprehension. These are very uneven recordings, of which I'm going to offer what I think is one of the very best, her second recording of Anoncredea from La Sonambula. The trills, just for starters, are mind-boggling. Some of the phrases she tosses off with real carelessness, but in certain moments she also zeroes in and you can hear the voice of an era that even in 1906 had now passed.
So often, singers whom I would characterize as voiceless wonders continued to sing into old age, and often the best venue for those talents was art song, which makes more limited demands on decreasing vocal range and volume, but allows a wonderful platform, if you will, for ever-deepening expressive capabilities. I'm going to offer you a few examples of these. First is one of the most extraordinary leader recordings ever made. The performer in this 1928 recording is George Henschel, who was 78 years old at the time. He lived from 1850 to 1934 and was what we would definitely refer to today as a musical polymath. He could do almost everything. He trained as a pianist. He then became a singer and was a close friend of Johannes Brahms at the end of his life. He moved to the United States in the 1880s and became the first conductor of the Boston Symphony Orchestra. He was also, at the time, a celebrated composer and author. He was knighted in 1914 and died at his home in Scotland in 1934. This recording of Der Leiermann is self-accompanied and exhibits an improvisatory character that is unlike any other recording of this that I have ever heard. This is a man who, for probably about 40 years, had not been active as a singer. But the musical intelligence, the command of the language, the insight into both the narrator and the hurdy-gurdy man he describes is, as I say, unlike any other recording I've ever heard.
Next, we're going to hear two tenors, both of whom displayed incredible longevity in their voices and careers. First is Karl Erb, the German tenor who lived from 1877 to 1958. He died, in fact, on his 81st birthday. During his operatic career, he sang the largest Helden tenor parts, which, when we hear his recordings of Lieder, particularly those made later in his career, it's a bit surprising that he could assume such parts. He was also celebrated for his performances of Bach's Evangelists, particularly in the Matthew Passion. In the summer of 1929, he suffered a serious head trauma on holiday, and while his life was saved, his operatic career was, to all intents and purposes, over. But he continued to sing Bach, and he continued to sing Lieder, and in 1950, aged 73, he made a series of recordings. I'm going to play for you his recording with the pianist Hans Altmann of Schubert's Im Abendrot, a celebration, quite appropriately, I submit, of the beauties and blessings of twilight. Trink 
Another tenor who has my undying admiration is the Swiss Hugues Quinault, born in 1902 and died in December 2010 at the age of 108. When asked once about how he had managed to keep his voice for so long, his response was, well, I never had a voice to lose, so it was easy to keep it. And indeed, it's a very modest instrument, and yet, as I have demonstrated numerous times already on the podcast, it is one that is capable of shades of expression and meaning that elude more vocally gifted artists. We're going to hear a recording of Gabriel Fauré's song, Automne, set to a poem of Armand Silvestre. This is a recording that was made in Geneva in the winter of 1980, when Crinot was 71 years old. He's accompanied by the pianist Rose Dobo. many of my listeners, like I, are greatly looking forward to Black History Month when we are given the chance to re-examine and celebrate the lives of some pretty damn extraordinary artists. I have examples of three such singers who will be featured during the month of February, and they are each in her own way among my very favorite artists of all time. 
First is the jazz and blues singer Alberta Hunter, whom I have already featured a number of times on the podcast, including on my episodes on Black Queer Blues, for Hunter, though closeted, lived out much of her life, partnered by Lottie Tyler, who was the niece of the comedian and singer Burt Williams. Alberta Hunter had an active career as a jazz and blues singer from the 1920s through the late 50s, at which point she switched careers and worked as a nurse for 20 years, resuming her singing career in 1977 at the age of 82. From then until her death, she was featured at a jazz club called The Cookery and made a number of extraordinary recordings for Columbia Records. Her return to recording was as a featured artist on the soundtrack of the 1978 Alan Rudolph film Remember My Name, which starred Geraldine Chaplin and Anthony Perkins. The recording was released in 1978 and featured Alberta Hunter and a dynamite lineup of jazz musicians performing the song Downhearted Blues, which was co-written by Alberta Hunter herself and which is well known as a jazz standard. It's one of those horrible injustices that in spite of the popularity of the song, Hunter herself received virtually no royalties from the sale of the music. But here she is at the age of 84 performing her song, Downhearted Blues. Oh, I walked the floor. Yes, I rang my hands and I cried. Yes, I walked the floor Wrung my hands and I cried I had the downhearted blues I couldn't be satisfied Looks like I've had it all my days Yes, trouble, trouble Looks like I've had it all my days Ah, sometime I think trouble Gonna follow me to my grave. I've got the world in a jug. Yes, stopper right here in my hand. Yes, I've got the world in a jug. Oh, the stopper. Right here in my hand And the next man that gets me Got to come under 
Another artist of color from that era whom I love passionately and wildly is the unique Elizabeth Welch, who lived from 1904 to 2003. She is known for so many different things, including creating two Cole Porter songs in particular, Love for Sale in The New Yorkers and Solomon, a song I don't like very much, from Porter's Nymph Errant. She is another of those singers who appeared in the African-American review Blackbirds of 1928, which also featured some pretty extraordinary artists such as Florence Mills and Josephine Baker. Blackbirds of 1928 traveled to Paris in 1929, and many of the artists involved in that production chose to remain in Europe. Of course, Baker became a superstar, but Elizabeth Welch also settled in Paris and eventually London, where she appeared on stage and in films opposite Paul Robeson. Her performances during World War II were a huge morale booster in London during the Blitz, and she remained active performing in West End musicals and reviews. And in 1986, she was nominated for a Tony for her performance in the review Jerome Kern Goes to Hollywood. Especially in the late years of her career, she made a number of really exceptional recordings of classics of the American Songbook. One of her most famous renditions was of the Harold Arlen, Ted Kohler standard, Stormy Weather. In 1979, the brilliant Derek Jarman cast her in his film of The Tempest, in which she appeared in a cameo part performing that very song. That has been called one of the most glorious campy moments in all of cinema, and I'm going to offer you her performance from the soundtrack of that film. And by the way, look up this clip on YouTube. It is so much fun, and Welch personifies the goddess that she is portraying. Don't know why There's no sun up in the sky Stormy weather since my man and I ain't together Keeps raining all the time Life is bare Gloom and misery everywhere Stormy weather Just can't get my poor self together Lord above will let me walk 
the sun once more I can go on Everything I had is gone Stormy weather Since my man and I ain't together Keeps raining all the time Keeps raining all the time Keeps raining all another artist that I will be featuring during Black History Month. And I'm so excited to bring her to you today, just as a little Vorspeise, if you will. She had a 70-year-long career that began in the year 1921, when she was a member of the chorus of the Cecil Blake show Shuffle Along, her stage appearances brought her into close contact with Duke Ellington, and she was one of the very great singers to appear with him in concerts and recordings. One of her most famous renditions was recorded in 1927, the wordless vocalise to Ellington's Creole Love Call. Nearly 50 years later, Hall, by now, like Elizabeth Welch, also relocated to London, re-recorded Creole Love Call with more of a funk accompaniment behind her. She was 75 years old when this recording was made, and it is a hell of a lot of fun. going to turn to some opera singers and some of the roles that are tailor-made for singers in their later years. First, an excerpt from the very beginning of Benjamin Britten's opera, Billy Budd, adapted from Herman Melville's novella by the writers E.M. Forster and Eric Crozier. 
This is one of the great homoerotic works for the operatic stage. Another one, of course, being Britain's final operatic masterpiece, Death in Venice. The role of Aschenbach is another one that is tailor-made for an aging tenor. These roles were created by Britain's life partner, the tenor Peter Pierce. I found some wonderful examples of Pierce in late career, and those will be featured on an upcoming episode of Great Singers at Twilight. David and I were joking about it this week, and he thought that the follow-up episode should be called Last Gasps. (laughs) So, pardon that uh, impropriety. At any rate, I am going to offer you a different singer in Captain Veer's opening soliloquy from Billy Budd. That is the magnificent Welsh tenor Richard Lewis, another favorite of mine who I swear one of these days I am going to do a full episode on. But until then, let's listen to him at the age of 64 performing I Am an Old Man with San Francisco Opera in the fall of 1978. I have been a man of action and have fought for my king In the divine image, some flaw in the angelic song, some stammer in the divine speech. So that the devil still has something to do with every human consignment to this planet of Earth. Blessed me 
summer of 1797 in the French wars, in the difficult and dangerous days after the mutiny at the North, in the days when I, Edward Fairfax dear, commanded the indomitable. At the time, I remember that the reviews for Richard Lewis were not at all good, but I don't find anything to fault in his performance. When the Met first premiered Billy Budd, an even older Peter Pierce sang the role of Captain Veer. And in that case, I do think that he was a little bit past his ability to do the role justice. But let us pass on for the moment to another artist whom I just recently featured on her very own episode, the extraordinary mezzo-slash-soprano Grace Bumbry. As those of you who listened to the episode know, and as those of you who might not have listened to the episode might also know, Ms. Bumbry has had an extraordinarily long career, including live performances within the past 10 years. Those of you who know and love this artist might also know that she recently suffered a stroke, and the latest news from those who are on the inside loop is that she is back home in Vienna and continuing to improve. So that's wonderful, wonderful news. To further celebrate this artist, I want to play for you a recording that she made at an AIDS gala concert at the Deutsche Oper in the year 2007, when she was 70 years old. This is the wonderful aria from Herodiad, Il est doux, il est bon. I am less than thrilled with the conducting. I feel like the conductor really leaves her hanging out to dry. But nevertheless, she emerges victorious with a glorious high B-flat at the end.
another artist who had a phenomenally long career and who, in this case, began as a soprano and then made the transition down to mezzo-soprano is that glorious singer Regina Resnick. When she was 68 years old, in the year 1990, she was featured as the Countess Armfeld in the New York City Opera production of Stephen Sondheim's A Little Night Music that was telecast in November 1990. From that telecast, I bring to you a portion of that amazing song, Liaisons, which, dare I say it, I don't think has ever been better performed. Resnick had everything required for this role. The acting chops, the precision of diction, and the ability to completely embody and express the personality of the Countess Armfeld. Paul Gemignani was the conductor in this telecast performance. Liaisons, what's happened to them? Liaisons today. To see them, indiscriminate women, it pains me more. that they display Where is style? Where is skill? Where is forethought? Where's discretion of the heart? Where's passion in the art? Where's craft? With a smile and a will but with more thought I acquired a chateau extravagantly overstuffed. Too many people muddle sex with mere desire, and when emotions intervene, then it's descend. It should on no account perplex or worse inspire. It's but a pleasurable means to a measurable end. No one comprehend. Let us hope this lunacy is just a trend. Where was I? Oh, yes. In the castle of the king of the Belgians. We would visit through a false chiffonier. of the king of the Belgians who when things got rather touchy did it be a duchy liaisons what's happened to them liaisons today untidy take my daughter I taught her I tried my best to point the way I even named her Desiree. In a world where the kings are employers, where the amateur prevails and delicacy fails to pay, in a world where 
that are tailor-made for the operatic diva in the late stages of her career. One of those, of course, is Clutemnestra in Electra, and another, the one that follows, probably, upon Clutemnestra, would be the Countess in Tchaikovsky's Pique Dame. Many artists have sung either or both of these roles in the later stages of their careers including Regina Resnick, including Grace Bumbry. There are two wonderful Wagnerian singers from the 50s who made meals of roles like this in their late careers, Astrid Varnay and Marta Mödel. Others include Leonie Riesenek, Helga Dernisch, Felicity Palmer, Elisabeth Söderström, Irina Archipova, Rosalind Plowright, Hannah Schwarz, Jelena Obrasova, Regine Crespin. These all are exceptional singers. Another one of these artists, the one that we're going to hear today in the role of the Countess in Pique Dame, is the Belgian mezzo-soprano Rita Gore, who had a huge, unwieldy voice and a powerful stage presence. And when she was good, she was very, very good. And some days she wasn't quite on, but I will always have time to experience the artistry of Rita Gore, because you never know. You may hit one of those performances where she absolutely sends it to the moon. Her farewell to the operatic stage took place in 2007 in her home city of Ghent, when she appeared with the Vlamse Oper as the Old Countess. Again, some intrepid audience member was there with their phone, and they captured an extraordinary performance, of which portions have been posted on YouTube. This is a scene which actually I find quite reminiscent of the liaison's number in Little Night Music, in which the Old Countess laments the crudeness of the current world and thinks back to the days of her youth and calms her fears and her anxieties by singing a little snippet by the French composer André Créti, Je crains de lui parler la nuit. Gore was 81 years old at the time this performance took place.
Another fascinating artist is Hans Hotter. For my money, he is one of the great German leader singers. I could listen to him sing this repertoire all day long. Of course, he was also celebrated as a Wagnerian Heldenbariton and is the Wotan on the Schulte Ring and performed it countless times in Bayreuth, especially in the 1950s. By the time he got around to recording Wotan with Schulte, the bloom was off of his voice, but again, he continued to sing well into his 80s. And I have an example of him doing sort of the male equivalent of those roles tailor-made for elder operatic statesmen. This is Shigolch in Albanberg's Lulu, a man who the heroine knew on the streets when she was much younger. He calls himself her father, but we're pretty sure that if he was indeed her father, which is doubtful, they had a pretty unsavory and unconventional father-daughter relationship. At any rate, once Lulu has married into money, he often drops in for a little handout. And that is what happens in Act 1, Scene 2 of the opera, when he makes his first appearance. This was a role that Hotter sang with such great gusto, even at the age of 82 in the performance that we're going to hear. Just an observation about Hotter's voice. I think from a very early age, there was something in his timbre that sounded like an old man. You know, I say this about an actor like Helen Hayes, that she looked like an old lady even when she was very young. And so once she actually reached elder status, she really found her stride as an actor. And I think this is true for Hotter as well. He continued to sing Lieder so unforgettably into his 70s, and this Shigorch performance from the Théâtre du Châtelet in the fall of 1991 might have been his farewell to opera. I'm not sure about that, so don't quote me on that. But here he is partnered by the very interesting Lulu of the American soprano Patricia Wise, and Jeffrey Tate is conducting the Orchestre National de France. Den hab ich mir auch ganz anders vorgestellt. Mehrnibus. Wie kannst du ihn auch anbetteln? Deswegen bin ich ja gekommen. Wie viel brauchst du? 200, wenn du so viel Flüssig hast. Meinetwegen auf 300. Ich Nun hatte ich aber auch lange schon gerne gesehen, wie es jetzt so bei dir zu Hause aussieht. Wie findest du? So habe ich es für dich gedacht. Hättest du verleugnet, wie bei mir vor 50 Jahren.
etwas länger und die Beine immer kürzer und die Harmonika hat falsche Luft wie ich mit meinem Ohr <lacht> The next two artists that we're going to hear were in their 90s at the time these performances took place. There is a great Soviet bass named Mark Reisen, who lived from 1895 to 1992. He was born in Ukraine, but like I was just discussing with David earlier today, in the Soviet Union, so many of these individual countries, these individual cultures, were subsumed into the Soviet Union, much like what's going on today. At any rate, Raisin was one of the central figures of the Bolshoi in Moscow, and on the occasion of his 90th birthday, he made a cameo appearance singing the role of Prince Gremin in Tchaikovsky's Eugene Onegin. This extraordinary event was captured on film and was featured in a 1986 documentary about Reisen, and it is the soundtrack of that film on his 90th birthday on the 3rd of July, 1985, that we hear right now. Все возрасты покорны, Ее порывы благотворны. И юноше в рассвете, Едва увидевшему свет, Закаленному судьбой Пойсу седою головой А я скрывать не стал 
я люблю Татьяну, Тоскливо жизнь моя текла, Она явилась и зажгла. celebrated and extraordinary artists of the 20th century is the Verismo soprano Magda Olivero, who lived from 1910 to 2014, dying on September 8th at the age of 104. She had an extraordinarily long and unusual operatic career, with performances continuing up until her early 70s. And even after her official retirement, she would often come out of retirement to do additional concerts and appearances. I've done a very special episode on Olivero that I posted almost two years ago. If you revere this artist as much as I do, I highly recommend checking that out. She made public singing appearances up until her 99th year. And for me, one of the very best of those late performances took place on the 15th of August, 2006, when she appeared, as she so often would, at her church, the Chiesa di Solda, singing for the church service. Here she sings Panis Angelicus, accompanied by the organist Marco Montanari, and she's 96 years old here, my friends.
The next example that I'm going to play for you is what I consider to be one of the most extraordinary things that I'm offering today. It is a performance by the African-American baritone Robert McFerrin that took place in Washington, D.C. in September 1993, when McFerrin was 72 years old. McFerrin suffered a serious stroke in 1989, which affected his speech, but nevertheless, he remained able to sing. And there are some sometimes painful clips of him appearing at this point in his life. But what I want to share with you is his performance of the second part of Verdi's Eritu from Un Ballo in Maschera. At the beginning of the aria, it's pretty hard going, but then he reaches the portion where he sings O dolcezze perdute, O memorie, O lost sweetness, lost happiness, what memories. And suddenly, something clicks into place. He's simply singing with an extraordinarily honeyed tone, ease of high notes. It's just so moving to me. And I should mention also the pianist here, that pioneering artist, Sylvia Olden Lee, who was one of the first African-American artists and one of the first women to work at the Metropolitan Opera, among many other firsts. At this point in her life, she was 76 years old, and the, together the two of them offer a highly individual and extraordinarily moving performance. Perdute, 
longer selections to close off the episode. First of all, we really must hear Lotte Lenya. She lived from 1898 through 1981, and after her husband Kurt Weil's death, she took it upon herself to be the ambassador for his music. And without her efforts, it's quite possible that he would not be held in the high regard that he is today. She appeared in the legendary off-Broadway performances of the Three Penny Opera, which used a new English translation by Mark Blitzstein, and alongside her other iconic performances in movies like To Russia With Love or in the musical Cabaret, she continued always to uphold and put forward the memory of Kurt Weill. This legacy also included some extraordinary recordings that she made for Columbia Records in the 1950s of some of Weill's central theater pieces, as well as collections of both his German theater songs and songs from his Broadway musicals. In 1965, at the age of 66, she appeared in a live Carnegie Hall concert, which featured the music of Kurt Weill. Some of the works she performed on this concert were ones that were not included in that series of 1950s recordings, and these are particularly treasurable, I think. This is one of them. It's from one of Kurt Weill's unsung masterpieces, Love Life, which premiered in 1948 on Broadway, which never achieved the recognition that it deserved. In recent years, it's been seen more often, and it was slated to be produced, I believe it was, at Encores, just as the pandemic was shutting everything down in the winter of 2020. Anyway, here's Lenya performing Susan's Dream live at Carnegie Hall. I'm playing the whole thing for you because it's a narrative song, and I think the message is also very appropriate at year's end as we assess our achievements, our goals, our aspirations, our dreams. Oh. 
And then one night she was all wearied out. The kids had worn her ragged and her man was not about. And she flopped on her knees by the side of her bed. And she wiped her tired eyes and looked up and said, When I sleep, let me see a heavenly dream of the way life could be. That's all that I want, so do that for me. When I sleep, let me dream of the way life could be. Then she got into her bed. And her aching slipped away, and soon she was asleep. Then she heard a voice say, Susan, oh Susan, I heard you pray. Susan, oh Susan, you shall have your way. There is good in your soul, and so you shall see the dream that you want of the way life could be. And Susan, she dreamed she had a man to make a home for. Made it shine because she loved him so. Susan, she dreamed she had a pair of angel children, gave them all her heart to help them grow. Now and then. joining me on this exploration today. I hope that it's been as moving for you to listen to as it was for me to put together. There will be other episodes in this series, I promise you that, because there's so many artists that I had to leave, quote-unquote, on the cutting room floor. Surely one of the biggest musical news stories in the past year was the Phoenix-like reappearance of Joni Mitchell at the Newport Folk Festival in July 2022, at the age of 79. This appearance was made possible by Mitchell's younger friend, Brandy Carlyle, the extraordinary singer-composer. 
Joni Mitchell had suffered a stroke, a really debilitating stroke, years before, and through incredible resolve, had regained the power of speech and mobility and was even sometimes occasionally performing at home with friends. And it was because of that experience of performing with her that Brandy Carlyle got the idea of maybe, just maybe, bringing her back to Newport, where she had appeared more than 50 years before. It was an extraordinary event. And here are Joni Mitchell, Brandy Carlyle, and an amazing panoply of artists performing one of her great masterpieces, Both Sides Now. Rolls and flows of angel hair And ice cream castles in the Oh, 
send you all good wishes for, as our friends the Germans say, ein guten Rutsch ins neue Jahr. I'm Daniel Gundlach. <laughs>